Welcome to Boom Talk Studios on a kind of overcast, slightly clear day in Eugene, Oregon, here at Boom Talk Studios. Fox trotting in a foxhole, season one, episode 23. As always, thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme song, helping us folks out that can't afford those copyright. Heck, I was just listening to um, Who's Who's in Arcade. It's like, wow, I'd like to lead the show with that. Anyways, that was a lot of fun. Got me all fired up for this. A lot going on in the sports world, as always, and our weekly dive, or you want to call it dumpster dive, as far as what's going on in the world of sport and our commentary with it. Or try to, anyway. As always, if there's any comments, feedback, or suggestions, or want to make a pitch to get on the show and do y'all thing, or get on the other podcast, that uh, hopefully we'll be having another episode rolling out with that here soon. F-T-I-N, wait a minute, start over, F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Excuse me if I've got the giggles. My long morning. I've been up since about four. So it's like noon. On a Wednesday, a day late, because I was under the weather yesterday. So I didn't get a chance to record the podcast or finish writing things up. So bear with me if we seem a little bit jumbled. This, this has been a crazy day with uh, conferences and interviews and things like that. And of course, in the background, watching the par three. Wednesday of the Masters, such a trip to see Augusta in the fall, but nonetheless, that special vibe when that tournament comes around every year, you're feeling it, everybody's excited, there's just something special, I know Tiger served up some sushi and fajitas at the Champions Dinner, I'm sure they socially distance and all that good stuff. Just watching, you know, all the video here from him winning last year, but yeah, it's beautiful to have Augusta. So weird, but at the same time, so cool in this weird year. Yay, we're past the election. Your candidate won. You partied like a rock star. If you didn't, you're bitter, but don't, you know, hate. You'll have, you know, a chance in two years to do your thing in the midterms in four years if Biden and Camilla can't work out. Meanwhile, you know, for those, but those that were rocking that, enjoy yourselves and continue to Joy victory with grace and try not to um, antagonize the losers too much, even though they talk their fair share of trash either. Mind you, I'm independent, so I can, you know, I've got my own take on this. But since this is not political, I thought I'd get that disclaimer in now that you don't have that to stress about. And we can focus on the world of sports a little bit more. So I guess we'll start off this week in COVID land. Yes, indeed. That time for the COVID Chronicles, our weekly look at what's going on with COVID and professional sports. Well, you know that broken record. Always trying to make this list shorter. Not really getting shorter, not really getting longer, but the problems that are coming with COVID as far as schedule impacts, cancellations, things like that. It's getting pretty intense. I mean, and it's getting very precarious as far as teams go. We've talked about this in previous episodes. And once again, as we come to air this week, we find out that Big Ben 
and four other Steelers have been added to the COVID-19 reserve list. And we talked about this previously, that the COVID-19 reserve list does not necessarily mean you have a positive test, but you've been around somebody. And so for precautions, I heard Ben's been tested some multiple times, and he's so far so good. Um, I think this stems from Vance McDonald, who, test, who tested pos- positive earlier this week and is isolating from his teammates. Uh, big hubaloo on some of the talking head shows. I think it was yesterday morning, I believe. Talking about that. Did you know that he was affected? And you flew to the game in, to Dallas on, on Sunday. A lot of weird stuff going on. You know, We'll try to get into that a little bit more. As we move through this uh, podcast, but yeah, you know, kind of a strange thing there with Vance McDonald. Trying to get some more information there. Know that the Niners shut down their f- facility one day before their game on Thursday. It was, which was in doubt, but somehow, through well, the testing and all the checking that goes along with that, the 49ers and the Packers went off as scheduled on Thursday. We can say that uh, Kendrick Bourne, who was on the uh, COVID-19 reserve list earlier in the year, has gone back on it. Yeah, this is wreaking all kinds of havoc across, you know, across the board. Miami, who had an impressive win, we'll talk about that in our our, our weekly wrap-up of, of the NFL, what happened on the field, but they were without five assistant coaches who had to isolate. Man, you imagine? Yes, we know there's a lot of moving parts, but you know, given the intricate plans that go into the game plan every week, and I'm sure that given modern technology, they were able to conduct uh, virtual meetings and have those conversations. But in terms of your of your weekly regime, especially you know during game week, having you know five assistant coaches missing from the equation couldn't be easy. Um, we had LAFC who had their match postponed. Well, that was moved up the Wednesday, even though they still have three or four guys, I believe, still in uh, COVID isolation, waiting for the league to have some protocols there. Stafford went back on the list. For a second time, but then but after took the test through the week, was able to play on Sunday. Uh, the Eagles are now meeting virtually as uh, one of their coaches tests positive. You know, we sort of got an idea what's going to happen. You know, to teams who are in violation or of, of the COVID protocols or putting uh, themselves and other teams at risk. The Raiders were fined. I think it was three hundred fifty thousand dollars. I think they fined Coach Gruden another hundred grand, and they're going to take a sixth round draft pick, I believe it is. So yeah, it's um, it's costing folks. I mean, I think you know that a sixth round draft pick. If you really want to send a message, make it a third or a fourth, but hey, I don't make the rules. Um, yeah, let's see here. So let's talk real quickly talk about the Turner Diaries. We brought that up. No, we're not talking about the racist uh, book that inspired Timothy McVeigh and others. No, I'm the Turner Diaries in terms of Justin Turner, the soon-to-be free agent for the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, we, we got at length about that and had some, some comments. So Major League Baseball says they're not going to punish him. 
Um, I guess they feel there were uh, mistakes made with on both sides. They're just going to let it go. In spite of nine people within the Dodger organization uh, testing positive for COVID. Not sure how you know how widespread this is going to be. How sick these people are. <clears throat> I was torn last week. I'm still torn, but I'm kind of you know looking at at, at both of them. You know, right? MLB for not having a spine, and Turner for being so selfish. I guess I said last week. You know, I'm a Dodger fan. Yeah, I know the heartbreak. They've gone through this past decade and what a powerful moment it was. But it was so reckless. And as I've said before, somebody who's actually had this and had it for three and a half months, this isn't something to be playing around with. And I really feel you got to come down harsh. I mean, at least the NFL, you know, has some teeth. I think they should be sharper. Anyhow, you know, it's really unfortunate. All right, folks, so that wasn't as long as it has been, but as we can see in the professional uh, arenas, especially well, arenas, stadiums, clubhouses, offices, all that wonderful stuff, COVID's on its, uh, right, it's on, it's in the gym, it's on, you know, the exercise bike, eating steroids, Ready to wreak havoc as we start to enter the very cold months of the year. All right, folks, that was a great opening block. Real quick, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with you momentarily. All right, welcome back. Now that we've got COVID out of the way, you know where we're going next. Time for the 43,000 foot view above campus. Yeah, this list is definitely not getting shorter. Uh, putting my outline together this morning and the things that I added, because I started earlier last week with this, you know, there's things that are now obsolete. New things added. It's so crazy. You, it, It's getting to a point where you can barely keep up or, or at least structure an outline. S insane amount of things going on on campus as far as COVID and the financial impact that it's having on all of these campuses. Uh, very ugly situation. Really surprised where we've gotten this far. It's getting very exciting. Talk about what happened on the field, some earth-shaking stuff, some debuts. But uh, in general, there's so many teams in all collegiate sports are having to suspend activities. As you know, I mean, COVID spiking nationwide, as we know. And as I just said, it's, it's so hard at this point to keep track of everything going on. I had a list that had like maybe 10, 11 bullet points of, of institutions that are suspending or contemplating crazy stuff. I can tell you this, that Notre Dame, big upset. You know what happens when number one goes to South Bend, Chamber of Horrors. 
No less for the number one ranked team of the nation, Clemson. Students stormed the field and everybody had a heart attack. Lots of stuff on social media. The networks. Uh, just um, pictures I saw, they seemed to be all masked up, for one. But yeah, it was a sort of irresponsible in this time. Once again, people have been cooped up. Not condoning it. I understand a very exciting situation. You're knocking off the number one team. Notre Dame has been kind of a footnote in recent years. And so for the people going there, you know, get, have, getting a chance to be part of Notre Dame's lore. Hopefully there are not a lot of positive cases that can be contract tra traced back to that particular event. I know that the Notre Dame's president got uh, got himself into a bunch, you know, or panties in a bunch, whatever that old saying goes. And people called him out for being a hypocrite because at the Spreader event where um, Supreme Court Justice Barrett was confirmed and nobody was wearing masks and this sort of thing, or not, not confirmed, but nominated or whatever it was, he was he was at that event not wearing a mask, but yet he wants to come down on the kids for being excited after knocking off number one. Very interesting situation. Definitely going to keep an eye on it as as the you know the next week and the following week. Because so hope you know the picture eyes the pictures I've seen. It seems like most people are are masked up, but I'm sure you know the kisses and the hugs and the screaming and the yelling. I don't know. It wasn't a good, it was, you know, it, it was a bad look, but I don't know if it could have been avoided, right? Unless you, like, have the armed guards down there preventing it. You know, big, big upset. So we know that the Pac-12 finally started. We've spoke many times about Larry Scott dropping the ball. And then in week one. We had Cal Washington that was off after positive test at Berkeley. Not enough to fill the squad by conference standards. Arizona-Utah was off. Same story there. Away from the Pac-12, Louisville and UVA was off. Air Force Army was off. North Texas-Louisiana Tech off the boards. Tulsa Navy. That's quite, a bit, quite a few games. And then so we moved to this week. And because of, like I said, it's spiking everywhere on these campuses, really hard for this sport and the other collegiate uh, sports as well. Not being in a bubble situation, knowing what college students do, we were all there. Not, this isn't the finger wag of the students. They, they live, and I think their outlook in terms of how it's going to affect them uh, is a little bit different from the vulnerable populations, even though you can be asymptomatic and go back home and blah, 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 blah. You know what? You don't have to hear it from me. But anyhow, as I was saying, this week we have some really big games. There's, in fact, there's three big games in the Southeastern Conference, also known as the SEC. Auburn, Mississippi State, Bama, LSU, and Tennessee and AM. So, unlike the Big Ten and the Pacific 12, they're going to allow these games to be made up. 
as I was saying a few weeks ago, that magical December 12th date. Probably going to be one of the best days of all time. All these makeup games, MLS Cup, UFC, a lot of stuff. You know, there's some reason they're targeting, targeting that date as far as making everything up. We should all throw a party. Away from that, there's going to be no Memphis Navy. UAB and UTEP is being moved to a high school 300 miles away from El Paso because there's a massive outbreak going on there. So they're going to play at a high school field 300 miles away. I'm guessing it must be, you know, convenient so both teams can bus. Yeah, Air Force Wyoming is off now. And so... Also in this past week, uh, before I get to that, Conference USA is rescheduling those seven games for that early December date. I mean, there's going to be so much sports on. You might as well get up with your electric blanket and cuddle on the couch and make a nice spread the night before. Anyway, speaking of the Pac-12, when they had their openers this past weekend, uh, one of the marquee matchups was Stanford and Oregon as they've had a history. Well, Stanford was already with one arm tied behind his back as their starting quarterback, and one of their standout wideouts had to miss the game. They tested positive and had to immediately go into COVID isolation. Yeah. Coaches that hits. Very, uh, Arkansas coach Sam Pittman became the latest coach to contract the virus, and shortly after that, Michigan State basketball coach, you know, the iconic Tom Izzo, he also tested positive. And he is, ooh, you've got the hiccups all of a sudden. <laughs> he is all of a sudden in uh, isolation as well. Uh, hope that uh, Coach Pittman and Coach Izzo uh, heal up, as they say, or overcome this. They probably got the good drugs and all that stuff, and they're back co coaching their teams in the near future. So let's talk about some financial impacts. I did mention that a minute ago. You know, the LSU is projecting a possible $80 million loss from, from the COVID impacts. And there's like a long list of just stuff that's going on here. Let me just look at this real quick here, if I can bring this up. You'll have the joy of having your computer next to you. Just for example, right, you've got Cincinnati getting rid of men's soccer because there's just too much uncertainty. Old Dominion gets rid of wrestling, say they can't afford it anymore. Louisville's about to furlough 45 people from its athletic department. Others that survived the cut, they're going to take a 4% reduction. Boise State is doing the same thing. Uh, the Colorado At Colorado, the, the AD and their three, three of their big head coaches are going to take 10% pay cuts. And then we have somebody like Minnesota's P.J. Fleck who confirms he's taking an unpaid week. As much jack as you make, what is an unpaid week really going to do? Not to be so cynical, Jim Beheim is taking, a, is taking voluntary play cuts. They don't say how much. I'd like to know that. Les Miles is taking one as well. Texas, trim, Texas Tech is going to trim, they say, $7 million from its athletic budget. At Arizona, their coaches, uh, Sean Miller and Kevin Sumlin, they're going to take a 20% pay cut. So, yeah, I've been just going down this list. I see that Furman's getting rid of baseball and men's lacrosse. 
Akron's talking about getting rid of three to five sports. Point being, the COVID impacts, it's hitting everywhere. And I think it's going to get worse. Especially when we're trying to squeeze all of these things in the next, oh, I don't know, what is it today? 11-11. So basically, the next four or five week window, while the weather's getting bad, which is going to be putting people inside together and depending on how well they're following COVID protocols, we're going to continue the spike. We hope the new administration uh, has a better plan than the previous one in terms of tackling this. At this point, I don't really care. As I've said before, I'm independent. We just need to get this nonsense under control so they get a shot at it according to the people. Well, darn it, folks, do something about this because this is getting dirty gnarly. Financially, health-wise, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about what happened on the field here real quick. Let's just move away from all the gloom and doom for once, if we can. I'm sure we'll get back to it here in a minute. But let's talk about what happened on the field. As I said... Number one, Clemson went to to South Bend, and there, I forget how many regular season games it is that they've won, something like 36 or something like that, comes to an end with a a thrilling 47-40 win by the Irish. Safe to say, the Golden Domers, we back. I don't mean we as an I, because I don't root for them. You know, I'm Cal State Northridge, even though we have football, but no, I'm just saying, they... Never a bad thing. There are certain things in this lifetime, as you'll hear all the talking heads say. Yankees, Lakers, Celtics, Dodgers, 49ers, Cowboys, Penn State, Alabama, USC, all being good. Notre Dame. The world is just a better place having those iconic brands being competitive. Simple as that. And it's good to see Notre Dame in the mix. Love them or hate them. But it's going, and now that they're playing in, you know, in the ACC this year, I think if they were smart, they would uh, just establish that relationship. Uh, probably gives them a better chance to be in the playoffs. I think being an independent has hurt them, especially uh, less room for you know error. That said, you know, obviously having to go through. Miami, you know, Clemson, of course. Uh, UNC's on the rise. Virginia's not bad. I think it's be a good thing for Notre Dame. Um, let's see. What else is going on? Ohio State rolled over Rutgers. Big surprise there. I think it was like 51 to 17. Uh, like, it started out to be a good game, but number eight, Florida, race pass. Number five, uh, Georgia. Team that, that's really starting to catch a lot of attention, not just from myself, but from a lot of folks. Cincinnati at number six. They had another dominant win, 38-10 over Houston. I know you look at the competition, but hey, folks, I've got a chance to like watch them out of the corner of my eye. They're balling. It'll be interesting to see if they, at the end of the year, when things shake out, if the folks on the committee give them a fair shake. Let's see here. Number 12, Oregon. Very solid. Reloaded. You know, obviously Herbie up, up up with the Chargers. 
You know, new guy, Tyler Slow. Yeah, they rolled. I thought that Stanford came in with a mindset that they're they're ready to reestablish you know, their place as you know one of the conference elite. Still, you know, uh, a couple of I mean, obviously not having your starting quarterback and one of your main whiteouts. Uh, it wouldn't have mattered. Oregon's got uh, Oregon's loaded for Bear. Great athletes up there. You know, it's weird watching a game in Austin with no fans. You know, that big video board they have up there now and things like that. Uh, hope that this, the, you know, the news with uh, from Pfizer will allow us to get back in the stadiums. But, it, hey, it ain't happening this year. Um, Michigan. Jeez. They stumble at IU. We've talked about what a surprise IU is, right? I mean, in one time, IU, I mean Indiana, the Hoosers. Mr. Harbaugh. I don't know what to say about this. You know, they, the talking heads have been bringing up great points. Uh, about should he, should he, Michigan cut ways with him? Is he suited to coach in college again? Should he go back to the NFL? Although I have a feeling that the NFL, he proved it with the 49ers, but you know, his abrasive personality uh, might be prevented. And I think another college team would take a, take a fire on him, but I don't know. Or should Michigan just suck it up and say, you know, he's great for the branding, and then you just have to figure out a way to compete with Ohio State, and then, you know, the, the Wisconsins and, and, and whatnot. But if I'm a... Michigan alum, I gotta say I've been sold a bill of goods. Not happy at all, as far as the program is mediocre. I know it's been a while since they really have been a threat, and but you look at what's going on in Columbus, in Madison. You gotta wonder. Um, and another interesting game, excuse me. Oh, what'd you all think about seeing a game in the Coliseum at 9 a.m.? I thought it was cool. You know, we know with no fans, you might as well get some of your fringe teams like USC and Arizona State before some eyes. At 9 a.m., that gives a chance for the East Coast folks, and a game would probably be in the late afternoon or a 7 o'clock start, give it a chance. And I know that, um, you know, the the folks that follow this conference have some aspirations for both squads. I mean, I really like the ASU team. You know, when they upset Oregon last year, definitely opened my eyes. I think Herm Edwards is doing a fantastic job down there. Fantastic game, too, at that time of the day, as SC wins a 28-27 to thriller. Um... And I don't know what to say about USC. I'm not a big fan of Clay Hilton. I've said that a million times on this show that SC, their boosters deserve better than Clay Hilton. But, you know, somehow he's won the brass over there and they like him. So continue to be a mediocrity, I guess. (laughs) But they get off to a great start and we'll see where they go in the conference. What'd you think about number nine BYU just beating the brakes off of Boise? It's kind of shocking, as you know, Boise has been 
a very solid program over the last decade and a half or so. And quite quietly, BYU reasserting itself. I mean, they beat the brakes off of them. The number 11 Canes hold off NC State. That was a pretty good game. And how about Liberty knocking off number 25 Virginia Tech in a wild finish? And if you saw that, where the game was tied, they went for the, you know, the game-winning field goal. It was blocked, but Virginia Tech's coach had called timeout, so it was a do-over. They decided to run another play and get some more yards. Liberty pulls off the upset. Liberty's doing some fantastic things there. Boys, Coastal Carolina took care of business as well. Good stuff. Okay, let's go back to some gloom and doom stuff. Um, I told you about the ongoing issues at Iowa. Apparently now, the $20 million racial discrimination lawsuit filed by former players is going to move forward as current players continue to leave the program in droves. I think they've got, you know, like four to eight players. I think it's something. I think it might be as high as eight who've left the program amid all the controversies that have come up with that program since last spring. Ugly situation in Baton Rouge as LSU receiver Coy Moore had an explosive encounter with local law enforcement there. Ed Orgeron came up in support of his player. Also, you know, preached for calm and let everything sort itself out. But Moore says that they violated him. I'm sure the due deals will come out. You know, he said that if he hadn't identified himself as an LSU player, the situation may have gotten uglier than it did. Hopefully we get a good resolution there. I mean, obviously in this era of social justice and calls for police reform, this is the sort of thing we definitely don't want. Okay, so we know that the Under Armour Showcase, this is a basketball tournament, as we've been talking about for weeks, you know, a lot of these pre-conference tournaments that require traveling and the exchange of people and all that good stuff, really not a good idea. Probably just going to stick to, you know, playing in conference and keeping the travel down. You know, all these st different states have quarantine protocols. If you leave, just makes sense to probably avoid that before a conference and just focus on conference. Duke is, has announced there'll be no fans at Cameron Indoor this year, so no Cameron crazies. See, that tells you, folks, you know, how gnarly that's going to be. I just don't really see how you can have fans indoors. Not yet. You know, I mean, even the optimistic, I you know, view as far as the efforts with Pfizer. Me, personally, I don't see all that being rolled out to the masses. Not probably, you know, late spring. So, yeah, I, if we have, you know, fans indoors, I don't see that happening even in 2022. Just don't see it. All right. Well, we managed to get through... The first two gnarly subjects that we do every week as far as COVID and what and campus and the professionals. So we're going to take a break and we're going to go talk about some other things. How about that? All right. See you in a moment. Welcome back to Boom Talk Studios, episode 23, season one, Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here with our weekly 
dive into the world of sports. And so we've come to that point where we look at what's going on in the world of sports and some things you should probably know. Well, we see that Steven Silas, an assistant coach for the Dallas Mavs, has been named the next coach for the Houston Rockets. For those of you who are old school, will remember his, his father, Paul, who played for the Celtics and was also a head coach. I forget. I think this is like the fourth or fifth uh, father and son that have coached in the NBA. If you look there, as he's already walking into a very interesting situation in Houston because the rumor on the street is, is that my man, Mr. Harden and... Mr. Westbrook are unsure now about their futures in Houston after the regime change. As you also know, Daryl Morey resigned. Obviously, Coach Mike D walked away as well. So they may not be in for the reset. That's what the word on the street is. One of those things that kind of came off the wire. I haven't had a chance to delve deep into the details. But it wouldn't surprise me as I'm sure losing to the Lakers and sort of seeing that that whole concept may already be played out. And as other teams are retooling, and there'll be a lot of moves coming up here, that maybe they want to hop on a chance to get a ring. Because, you know, as, as we just saw with the Lakers in Toronto last year, it's pretty wide open. And, the, and, and the, the, top, the upper echelon of, of the league is definitely getting stronger. And I'm sure... You know, guys like him, you know, these two, the Chris Pauls of the world, even Giannis, looking around like going, hmm, what's my best chance to get some jewelry? We'll be keeping an eye on that. I can also tell you, and this just I just read this as well, the Oklahoma City Thunder have promoted assistant coach Mark Dagnault to become their next coach. He's kind of nice, I mean, I'm kind of wondering... Well, the talking heads are going to say about about that, but uh, you know, they, they decided to stay within, far out. We'll see how, um, what their future looks like, especially as there's like all kinds of talk about where CP3 may or may not land You know, for the 2020-21 season. Uh, some sad news to report. Uh, well, let me, before I get to that, I'll be talking about CP3. My outlines are all over the place. It'd be kind of, I'd be out of place if I didn't mention that word also came out. The Suns are looking to add CP3 on the trade somehow because they want to, they see how they played in the bubble when they were 8-0. But I love what Chris Broussard said on Undisputed this morning, but let's not get too crazy about Phoenix running away in the bubble because a lot of the times they were playing teams that were resting players for the playoffs. I mean, right, mentioning that one game they didn't, you know, they played Dallas, um, you know, right, Brzingis didn't play in one of those games, and there, you know, Luca didn't play in the other other games where, you know, four or five of the players played limited minutes and things like that. But, yeah, they're an up-and-coming team, so let's not, you know, poo-poo on them too much, I think. Putting him there with, with uh, Booker, you know, the kid from Arizona, you know, I don't see them be you know jumping into the top four, but I could see you know four to eight you know where you have the Portlands and Memphis 
and those teams. I can see if they got CP3. I mean, I think as is, they're going to be they're going to be competing, you know, for the lower spots. But yeah, I think Chris Paul would be. But I have a feeling if I'm CP3, I'm saying no way. I'm either I go back to the Clippers or I go to the Lakers or I stay in Oklahoma City and see what happens there. Be keeping an eye on that for sure. Now, um, you know, sad to say, uh, you know, like I said, that uh, I don't even know how to go about this, but Celtics great and former announcer Tommy Heinsohn passed away yesterday at the age of 86. Uh, yeah, guy played on nine championships, coached for two. If you're like from the old school like I am, when he used to do the NBA and CBS, was one of the all-time Laker haters. Used to just enjoy watching, you know, the bile come out of him. I mean, I'm, I was, I'm too, I'm not old enough to have watched him play, but I definitely watched those great teams that he coached in the Celtics, where that won in '74 and '76. Very fiery, competitive guy, fantastic personality, you know, along with you know the legendary Johnny Most before, you know, before him. But uh, the NBA is definitely going to miss, you know, Tommy Heinsohn. Just, yeah, what a personality. And I know that being a Laker fan, his disdain for us and our disdain for him, always friendly. Had nothing but mad respect for the guy. You know, and what people tell me who saw him play, just really hard-nosed. said, you know, but played on, uh, like, nine championship teams. So, Anyhow, our condolences to his family and all the Celtics who have enjoyed Mr. Heinsohn all, all throughout these years. Definitely a major, major, major loss for the NBA. Okay, so let's. So uh, we, we mentioned last week that the NBA was going to start on twelve twenty-two. That has been confirmed. Salary cap and luxury tax threshold will remain the same as it was for the 2019-2020 seasons. So that's what's going on in the NBA. On the diamond, you see we're just cramming all this stuff in here now because these sports are kind of dormant. So it's in this section for the time being until there's more activity. But the Red Sox rehire Mr. Cora. Is that a surprise? I know a lot of people are up in arms about it. You know, his connections to the cheating scandal. What message is that sending to the youth? You know, a lot of ugly stuff coming out this week about the deal that the Astros made where they could keep their title and the one guy wants to sue now because he feels like he was the scapegoat. Red Sox don't care. I mean, that team, the ownership, the fans, they all want Cora back. Not a surprise that the, that he will be the skipper for the Bo Sox. And considering how they were a stinky diaper during this 2020 abbreviated season, Probably very, it will be very welcomed. I see that the Mets will also keep Luis Rojas after the Cohen takeover. As far as the managers of the year, that was announced yesterday. Cash from Tampa Bay. Kevin Cash, not a surprise. You know, can't, can't dock him for his questionable move in the World Series, that the fact that they were there. Donnie Baseball, you know, with the uh, revival of the Miami Marlins. Good choices there. No argument there. And now Tony LaRusa back on the news. Another DUI apparently earlier in the year. Gotta wonder, is that gonna cost him his job before he ever manages the game? White Sox say they know about it. No big connections there. So we'll see where that goes. Something tells me we haven't heard the last of this, especially when you know people tried to contact him and get his comment. I got nothing to say. Of course you don't. 
I know the guys respect it, but we'll get into a little bit about that later if you can see where that's all going. Right-hander Marcus Stroman accepts the New York Mets $19 million qualifying offer. As we talk about Cohen's takeover of the Mets, obviously that's, you know, one of the pieces. As he said earlier this week, he wants to make the Mets a flagship franchise. Tired of them being bottom favorite. He doesn't care what the Yankees are doing. He wants the Mets to be relevant. Well, I like your ambition, and, you know, as I was saying earlier, it's always great when certain franchises and, the, and you know, the Miracle Mets, whenever they're happening, it's always fun. Um, yeah. See, what else can I tell you? Well, the NHL is actually considering a temporary realignment of its teams for the upcoming 2020-21 season due to COVID-19 travel restrictions, i.e. the whole situation with Canada. That's why there were hub cities for the playoffs. And I think... He's wanting to use that model some, somewhat again, you know, if that works out to, to mitigate whatever restrictions and quarantine protocols that, that could happen. So we shall see that. I mean, and I mean, what did he say? He's, he, his quote was, he thinks that we may be better off, particularly if we're playing a reduced schedule, you know, which they're contemplating, keeping it ge geographically centric and more divisional based. Realigning, realigning on a temporary basis to deal with all of this stuff. Makes sense to me. You know, it's forward thinking, as we talked about in the previous two segments, you know, the kind of issues that we're having with delays and what kind of weird impacts that may have, you know, like with MLS where, well, we had to, like, do it on percentages and it just was a mess. And I think, you know, NHL is using some forward thinking to try to get it out and ahead of in front of this. Good stuff. All right. So we see the Masters. I'm sitting, I'm watching Tiger, looking all happy. Wonder if he got like a hair transplant. I could have swore his hair was receding a lot more, but hey, whatever. <laughs> um, beautiful to see Augusta, as I was saying, you know, in, the, in, in my opening segment. Uh, did y'all see that uh, ball that uh, John Ryan skipped off the water for a hole in one? Yeah, I just got goosebumps. This is going to be so exciting. Going to have to break out the PS3, break out, you know, the Tiger Woods, Masters 14. You know, it's the last iteration of the game. Play me some Augusta with the pros. My yearly tradition is I try to play, you know, the par three and then all four rounds. And then for kicks and giggles, because in that last iteration of it, they have what Augusta looked like in 1934. I do the whole gamut every year, and it's, and it's always so much fun. But of course, I put my PSG away somewhere, so fighting all the chords, it'll be an adventure. <laughs> Anyways, so what should, we, what should we expect? Well, for one, dishes are also obviously going to be different. What I'm hearing, you know, the longer you hit, so... Mr. Bison DeChambeau, Mr. 401-foot drive. I mean, 401-yard drive, excuse me. Let's not, you know, sell that man short. Well, I like, you know, that it kind of favors him and, you know, my man Brooks Kepka. These guys who hit long and obviously putt well. Um, but, you know, the problem with it, that is that every time you have your eye on someone, you know, and we've been really propping up Mr. DeChambeau, they tend to fall flat. So I'm kind of looking for, uh, there's so many great golfers, I'm kind of looking for a, I won't say an unknown, 
But I'm, I'm thinking somebody who's due to win a major is going to break through. I forgot to mention earlier that Sergio, his long streak of consecutive Masters comes to an end as he po- tested positive for COVID. I forgot to put that in my uh, outline. Tiger. Guy hasn't played enough. And what I have seen, I, it's not going to happen. It was fantastic. Hard to believe that was a year and a half ago. You know, one of the defining moments of 2019 period. Instead of watching him right now on the TV, Augusta looking tight. No, I, you know, as he was saying the other day that, you know, when he plays, it's either, you know, right, his long game is good, his putting sucks, or the other way around. I just think way too inconsistent. You know, he obviously getting the monkey off of his back. I know he wants to get past 82 wins. However, I don't see him keeping the green jacket this go around. Uh, there's no way he's putting together four rounds. If he does, I will come back here and say, well, Kim was wrong. And we all, like I was talking about the other, you know, the, the other traditional powers in the sports world. It's always fantastic if Tiger was in contention at a major. So I'm really hoping for that because that'll make it must see TV. Really fantastic stuff. I look at the Golden Bear even getting into the action. But no, I just don't, I don't see it. I, Looking for somebody who's due, right? You know, one of those guys like Matt Cooker. Um, right, one of those type of guys. that uh, Lee Westwood. One of these guys who's, who hasn't had their moment. I'm looking, hoping for, you know, we get a good 2020 story and that they win their first major at Augusta. But who knows? We could, you know, the guys I mentioned, you know, and some of the other guys like Roy Boy, Mr. Jordan, a host of others, so many great golfers, so it could be anybody. Even my man Ricky Fowler here, who hasn't won one yet. Talk about somebody who's due. We shall see. All right. We're talking about the Masters and what it was like in the fall a lot on the next episode. And so rounding things out, I can also tell you that Chase Elliott, another next gen, you know, we remember his dad, Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. He wins at Phoenix to secure his first series championship. At 24, Elliott becomes the third youngest, or the young, the third youngest series champion ever. Shout out to Jimmy Johnson who walks away from the circuit with his hell high. Um, I said if this was any other sport, given what he's achieved on the track, as I talked with my, with my man, the corner man, when we did our little NASCAR uh, preview. Yeah, you know, what was it, 83, 84 wins, uh, seven cup titles, and now he's going to go to open will. Best wishes to you, Jimmy, as you move to the next phase of your storied career. All right, we will come back and talk about the beautiful game life here in a few minutes. Right on. Welcome back to Fox Treading in a Foxhole, Season 1, Episode 23. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Well, well, well. This international break, which uh, just makes me smile so much. Jeez, uh, I hate the international break, especially even now at this time of COVID where we lose, uh, clubs lose their some of their best players, 
either they get injured or there's all kinds of travel restrictions and quarantines that keep them away from their clubs. Just, yeah. Usually it's just the injury thing. As I've said before, with being a PSG and LAFC fan, seeing our guys get nicked up in international duty and impacting our chances, you know, to win the respective cups and trophies. Yeah, just you know, I, I get it. But at the same time, I don't have to be a fan of it. Yeah, I said it. There you go. Okay, so what's going on in the beautiful game life this week is, you know, I give the folks out there a little peek into one of the world's most popular sports. Well, we had Champions League match day three. My boys, PSG, got shocked by Leipzig. Um, yeah, I don't know what I can say. I try to keep it clean here, so I'm just going to think that Thomas Tuchel, you had two nails in the coffin, you just got the third one. If, if PSG ends up in Europa League, which is a strong possibility now with two losses in the group stage, oh my, there's going to be hell to pay. Quite frankly, I should be more upset with the state of things, but, you know, with the Lakers and Dodgers winning championships and then, you know, PSG getting to the final earlier in the summer, how angry can I get? But it's not a good situation in Paris right now, <laughs> at least as far as, you know, the Champions League is concerned. Manchester United was also shocked. Uh, you know, a team from Istanbul basically beat them 2-1. to one. Atletico Madrid played to a 1-1 draw. Let's see here. Um, Liverpool smacked out Atalanta 5-0. I was kind of shocked. Atalanta's tough. Real Madrid edged inner. It was like 3-2. Bayern, Manchester City, and Borussia Dortmund, and, Ju and Juventus all took care of business. So, yeah, the big shockers being United and PSG. Oh. <laughs> so, what happened in Europe last weekend? So, Manchester United rebounded, taking care of Everton, 3-1 as Everton's slide continues. City and Liverpool played to a 1-1 draw. That was kind of exciting. Chelsea cruised over Sheffield United. Leicester, Leicester City moves to the top of the table with a 1-0 win, win over Wolverhampton, the Wolves. The Spurs edged West Brom. And Aston Villa shocked Arsenal 3-0. Over in France, Marseille took care of Strasbourg. PSG rebounded with a pretty impressive 3-0 win over Rennes. And Lyon beat St. Etienne over in Syria. Juventus, Atalanta, Inter, and AC Milan all played the 1-1 draws. Bundesliga, Bayern, Edge, Borussia Dortmund, and Dura Classic. Always big when those two Titans match up. Bayern's the best team in the world. And uh, Bayer Leverkusen took, took care of Mönchengladbach 4-3. And Leipzig kept the good times going with a 3-0 win over Freiburg. And La Liga, Valencia shocked Real Madrid 4-1. Really shocking. Sure, um, see, Mr. Zidane had a few cocktails that, that evening. Barca, Sevilla, and Atletico Madrid all cruised. 
as we head to this international break, my favorite time. So let's go to the domestic side. Woohoo! The MLS winds up its final week, and we had two match days as we're trying to get all these fixtures in. So the midweek, what can we tell you? Quake 74 shocked LAFC again with a 3-2. And let me just say that, just a really bad loss for the black and gold. Stinky diaper indeed. Dallas slowed Nashville City's playoff push with a tight 1-0 win. Colorado, which I think is BS, and they're making a push. We'll talk about that in a minute. They had a big win in Portland. Seattle in the Galaxy tied. Uh, Orlando City shocked Columbus. Keep an eye on them as we get to the MLS Cup playoffs. And then on Decision Day, because you know, it's <laughs> excuse me, MLS Decision Day is always on the final Sunday of the season where everybody plays at the same time, although this year they kind of staggered it where the East teams played and then the West Coast. But this is that Sunday where they go up against the NFL, which is kind of a drag. I think they should do it on a Saturday or even a Friday to get full exposure and not have to go up against the no fun league or, or you know, right because it's, just, it's especially at this time of year anyhow a lot of exciting stuff on decision day lafc and portland play to a 1-1 tie if you're an lafc fan it feels like a loss because you gave up a chump goal after dominating the match not sure about the black and gold heading into the playoffs yeah and then you have philadelphia union they hoisted Supporters' Shield after taking care of New England. They had a fake Supporters' Shield. I don't know what the whole story was. That was looked ugly compared to when we when LAFC won it last year. But congratulations to Philadelphia for securing this year's Supporters' Shield. As I told you, that was in doubt. Glad that the cooler heads prevailed and we were able to award one this year. Cool stuff. Orlando City. Gave Nashville City another loss for the week, but Nashville City still made the playoffs. Minnesota clobbered Dallas 3-0. Keep an eye on them. Sporting Kansas City wins the West with a 2-0 win over Real Salt Lake. Um, yeah. What else went on last week over there? You know, oh, yeah. Playoff-bound Colorado. Just It just irritates me because they missed all those games, and that's why we had to to do things, you know, based on a weighted average. Don't don't like it at all, but they continued their playoff run and they get a solid seed with their 2-1 win over Houston. Red Bull, New York, uh, beat Toronto FC. You have to wonder about them as they have kind of wobbled after looking really good in this MLS restart. New York City in Chicago's. Uh, frantic playoff run. I thought Chicago was playing fantastic down the stretch, but they go home because they, they were on the short end of a 4-3 decision. The impact into DC, U, DC United's playoff bid. After they played like poop, they tried to make a great run, and Inter-Miami clinches its first playoff bid with a 2-1 win over FC Cincinnati, which means that after the international break on 11:20, we will have the MLS Cup playoffs. Really excited. Um, you know what I'm looking forward to? Some of these matchups. LAFC with that late goal. Instead of playing number five Colorado, now they have they filled a seven. They were going to have to play Seattle. 
a rematch of last year. Not looking forward to that. I think this Portland-Dallas matchup is going to be good. I think uh, Sporting Kansas City takes care of San Jose. The Eastern's on the other side of the block. Orlando and New York City, a 4-5 matchup is going to be great. And uh, let's see here. The Philadelphia seed and Toronto seed, 1-2. and two. There's, there's going to be a little play in there because of you know, how unbalanced things are. But we'll keep an eye on that. And yes, the play-in games are going to be Nashville and Miami. Boy, I don't know who like Both of these teams have played well. Although, I'm going to give the edge to Miami because of the pedigree. And then you have New England and Montreal. Another, another flip a coin in terms of who's going to win. But really excited about the MLS Cup playoffs. coming Starting 11-20. Tune in. It's going to be exciting stuff. A lot of good, as I said, you know, December, November. A lot of good things going on. A lot of great TV. Now that the election's over, give yourself something else to fixate on. Fantastic. All right, then. That's what's going on in the beautiful game. We will come back with our final block looking at the No Fun League. All right. Welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. Season 1, episode 23. Ken Harlan, your faithful host. Had to take a moment there. A lot of activity going on in the street. Garbage trucks and construction. So noisy. Had to take a couple of minutes away from there. But let's get into our final block, which is the NFL report. The No Fun League. <coughs> Excuse me. So, I guess it was yesterday? Or maybe it was today. The league announced uh, the play, playoff format could be expanded if COVID outbreaks. So we could, they could add two more teams if games are canceled and they have to do sort of like this weighted thing that MLS has pulled off. Really hope that doesn't happen. The league also reaffirms its commitment to ensuring the diversity initiatives proposed over the summer will be followed through and enacted. Definitely keeping an eye on that. The Patriots say they won't have fans at their games this year. They thought about it, but now with, with uh, the state of Massachusetts tightening, tightening things down, there's going to be no fans there. Meanwhile, in Landover, where the Washington football team plays, they had 3,000 fans there over the weekend. It's kind of weird. Fans, obviously, given the slow start they have, we're leaving early. Saw too many Giants fans. You know, I was like, how do Giants fans get tickets if it was only available for Washington football team fans? Yeah. Let's see here. I guess for locally for us Oregon folks, it's good to see Oregon State's Jake Luton coming in for Mr. Minshew. Apparently, he will remain the starter as a... Uh, Connor's thumb injury will keep on the sidelines longer. Uh, also, just c coming off the wire, after his after being out for a while and playing last week, Christian McCaffrey will be out again. Got some problems with his shoulder joint. My man Pete Curl has just inked a multi-year extension, so he'll be here with the Hawks for the foreseeable future. Getting a little long in the tooth, but it's good to see. He's still doing a wonderful job as a Seahawks. 
It's also cool to see that De that Des Bryant humble was humble enough to be on the practice squad, put the work in, and press the Ravens. They activated him. Great comeback story there. You know, I mean, guy was good for Dallas. I'm glad to see that he's th that, that teams are willing to take a flyer on him. And I know the Ravens need some help there as far as their offense goes. If Lamar has another target, fantastic stuff. We're pulling for you, Des, especially now that you ate with the boys. So let's do our week nine roundup then, shall we? Hmm. So started on Thursday night, as we mentioned earlier, that that game was in doubt. However, Packers and the 49ers did go off Thursday, and Aaron Rodgers and company took care of the decimated 49ers. Not really a contest given, you know, with the injuries and the COVID-9 problems that the 49ers have. Packers did what they were supposed to avenge their loss to the Packer, to the 49ers, I should say, last year. Unfortunate for the 49ers. The Giants edged the Washington football team. Sad stuff there with Kyle Allen breaking his ankle. I don't know what it is, but every time the Giants and the Redskins play, going back to the Theismann, that these quarterbacks get hurt. We've got the same thing with uh, Alex Smith. Speaking of, got you know some more extensive action for the first time since his horrific injury a few years ago. Pretty heroic stuff. Three for 325 yards. But the three turnovers, the one at the end of the half and the two at the end of the game, tell me, well, it really wasn't his fault. Well, whose fault was it then? Not crumbing on you too hard, Alex. It was a winnable game for the Washington football team. But your mistake shot us on the foot. I know that Riverboat Ron has talked about, well, we want to compete and try for the division. It's a horrible division. I mean, really, Eagles... Just get your act together and win some games and get a cushion so we can be over with this. Do I think Alex should continue to be the starter? No. I think we need to go back to Dwayne Haskins and see what we have. Um, at, at this point, if you can't win this game, you're going to lose quite a few more games. That, that's how I feel. That Getting swept by this team that can't beat anybody else but... Beats you every time, but Daniel Jones is like 4-0 against you or something like that. And then, you know, 4-19 against the rest of the league or something, something crazy like that. Yeah, I think it's time to go back and see what you have with Dwayne Haskins. You know, can he be the quarterback of the future? Or do we just lose games like everybody else and try to get you know, either Trevor, Lewis, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence or my man from Ohio State? Not rocket science, right? It's too bad, though. I mean, it would have been a Hollywood ending. It's like a pick. Just took the spirit out of me. But anyway, last trying to get back to respectability. We beat Denver. I'm not sure what that says about Atlanta or what it really says about Denver and Drew Locke. It was a very competitive game. Was kind of watching down the red zone when giving updates. Um... Buffalo, statement went over Seattle. I've never said Buffalo was fool's gold, but I just haven't been sold on them as far as being a true contender in the AFC. But you really have to look at that after that impressive win. Yes, Russ cooking too much. You know what, Russ? 
Maybe you need to like you know get some get, hire some staff. A lot of turnovers again. Not real, not a good look. But hey, you keep an eye on Buffalo. Um, they're they're legit. Chicago continues to be fool's gold. No big surprise there. Yeah. Ten points. Not sure if they go back to Trubisky. At this point, or the whole full situation, just just really a mess over there in Chicago. I mean, they've they've racked up some wins, but as I as I've been thinking all along, won't surprise me one bit. They end up being seven and nine. Just they've got some players on defense, obviously, Mister Mack and all those folks, but just not feeling it with them, and they get exposed each week. I. Don't know. What do you all think? They should should they stick with Foles or should they go with Trubisky? F T I N F X at gmail dot com. Tell me what you think, or tell me you know on the Facebook you know, on our Facebook page. If you don't like it, you should like it, and that way we can interact. Yeah, um, Baltimore took care of Indy. Philip Rivers very salty after that. Really not sure why Indy decided to go with him. I mean, did you really think... I'm not saying he didn't have it in the tank, but uh, and maybe it's a stopgap, but you may be better served like some of these other teams uh, falling back and seeing if you can get one of these good quarterbacks. You know, Mr. Fields, Mr. Lawrence. Just saying. I just, with Phillip Rivers, do you really think he's going to take you to the promised land? Seeing that he never did it in San Diego when he was younger. I mean, what is he now, 40? I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't be that harsh. but I, And, you know, seeing him be salty about that call, I'm just like, well, man, you should be lucky that, that these fools were crazy enough to give you that money and give you one more go at it. Yeah, I don't think you're having too much fun as a Colts fan. Or maybe you're just like, a, it is what it is. You're a Colts fan. Chime in. Let me know what, how you're feeling about these things. Um, the Vikes continue to bounce back from their slow start. Big game for, you know, Mr. Cook. What was it? 206 yards. Just like what I'm seeing, I'm sure he's going to have a fantastic second half. Look for the Vikes to make a run. Obviously going to fall on my man, Captain Kirk. You like that. As I've said a million times over the years. Guy can string some games together for you. Um, look like the $86, man, $86 million man that he is. Yes, I kid you not. But he will break your heart. It's just who he is. The brighter the lights, the smaller his heart gets. Um, but, you know, I, I saw my team, the, the, the squad formerly known as the Redskins, give him $44 million over two years and caused massive fights within the fan base for, you know, pro-Kirk and those of us who knew better. Uh, guy can't get it done in the clutch. But I think they have so much talent on this team start, uh, coming around at the right time. 
I, you know, I, I can see them being a possible wild card, but it's going to be on number eight, right? You can't have too many stinkers down the down down the stretch. Yeah, are we all in agreement as far as that goes? Hmm. Um. You know, and Detroit. Let's talk about them real quick. You know, right? The Pat Patricia watch. I've talked about it in previous episodes. Why they didn't go for Vrabel when they had the chance, it's beyond me. All right? Jim Caldwell's got a tumbler, right? Just right, just sitting there. Might even have himself some wacky tobacco, just sitting there laughing at, at, at what a dumpster fire the Lions are. You know, and you have to wonder how long is it going to be before, you know, those in the Ford family pull the plug on Matt Patricia and send him back to Bill Belichick. I know somebody was asking me the other day, what's the big deal about Matt Stafford turn? Well, the guy has shown, you know, I mean, look at how many comeback wins. They're always in a game, you know, right? But yeah, at, at this point, him, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, excuse me. It's like they say in one of my favorite, you know, cult, you know, uh, cult classics, Fear of a Black Hat. He tired, honey. He tired. And that's kind of how I feel about uh, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford. Maybe a change of scenery in the right situation. The guys might be able to change the narrative. Just as how I see it. Um, the Panthers and Kansas City. A far more entertaining game than I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, McCaffrey came back, but as I said a minute ago, re-injured himself. I think it's 33-31. And, you know, once again, Mahomes is just toying with folks. You know, almost like, hey, you guys, we're going to give you a good show. But pretty much, if he gets, if he gets the ball last, yo, I'm taking it, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it downfield and scoring. And, you know, game, set, match. They continue the roll. Ah, my man Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, they lost another close one to the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, I've been saying this. I think I was one of the first to hop on this bandwagon even before you talking heads. I'm really getting concerned about all the losses that he's piling up. Especially since he's putting up ridiculous numbers, you know, and I always stress this isn't one of those. Well, you know, so are you are you bad? It's just you do not like to see that. And I know that Terry Bradshaw, for for example, his when he was drafted uh, at Louisiana Tech, that was that nineteen sixty nine, nineteen seventy. He was one in thirteen. Troy Aikman was on a one in fifteen team with uh, Dallas. So it's not the end of the world, and the Chargers have some, you know, some really serviceable parts to, to go around them. They're going to have to add some more, I believe. But you still don't want to see him wreck all these losses as well as he's playing. It really sucks because the dude's balling, and you know he's got the NFL world ablaze and with excitement. Well, and you know you hear Uncle Shay, I didn't see that coming. I'm just like, dude. You're the one who played the game. I knew that from the first, as I've said a million times on this show. When I saw him in his first game in Oregon, I just go, wow, this dude's the prototype. And I'll say it again. You know, the carousel of coaches that the Ducks had for a while, putting him in at, um, 
you know, cellophane wrap and protecting him did nobody favors. Because you see that you cut this guy loose and you're seeing, you know, what this guy brings to the table. I saw it from day one. Glad to see that. I just would like to see the Chargers get some wins, you know. But, hey, it's, it's hard luck. And when you know you for the Washington football team like I do, I'm only gonna cry so many tears for teams taking up losses. Somehow have to get it done. Yeah. All right. And what was I think you know marquee matchup number one? We had Pittsburgh. Well, not Pittsburgh. We'll get to that in a minute. With Miami and Arizona. As I talked about the Dolphins. Uh, out five assistant coaches earlier in the in the COVID Chronicles. That was a great game. Impressive win over Kyler's cards. And once again, Kyler showing what a as we as you like to say, we keep it clean, but what a BA he truly is. Phenomenal watching him and Tula duel it out. I talked about Buffalo a minute ago. Keep an eye on Miami. Brian Flores is doing a fantastic job. Uh, yeah, in terms of the future of the NFL, you were getting a glimpse of it watching those two teams, you know, provided the front offices there don't do anything stupid and interrupt the trajectory that both franchises are on. But uh, give it up for the Dolphins. I don't know if I would want to have them on my schedule moving forward because it really seems to be coming together. Two will definitely look better in game two. Still not... You know, seeing it quite yet, but I can understand the move and they continue to win. Everybody looks like a genius over there in South Beach. Um, Dallas and Pittsburgh. Steelers remain undefeated. Dallas played a lot better. If Dallas wasn't Dallas, probably give Pittsburgh his first loss. You know, Dallas finding a way to lose the game. Was kind of impressed, you know. The quarterback they rolled out that was better than the one when they played the Washington football team. Yeah, it was an irritating game. I mean, it's a bad division, but do you like the, Dallas has got players, and I wasn't surprised to see them, you know, give the Steelers everything, you know, the, 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 right? It was a good. It was a good game. I'm, you know, I don't like Dallas, as you can you know, being a Washington football team fan. So I'm shedding no tears here, but. Let's face it, they're still in the deal. The division's bad. The marquee matchup, too. Well, we had the rematch as the New Orleans Saints went to Tampa Bay. Wow. A lot to unpack there. Brady's worst defeat as a pro 38 3. Nauseating seeing. Skip Bayless is always making all these excuses for him. They got the brakes beat off of them. The Saints complete the sweep of Tampa Bay as far as tiebreakers. One in, one in our place, one in your place. Routed you in your place. I mean, routed. Um, seeing Brady get beat down like that, I know I'm doing um a lot. I'm trying to get better with that. <laughs> Well, you, most people can't stand Brady and the success, you know. Not too many people who hopped on the Patriots bandwagon, but, you know, most of them, but it's not a likable franchise for most of us hardcore football fans. 
and even casual. They've got a lot of success, and now that he's trying to replicate that. So I don't think there were many cheers shed other than Skip Bayless crying, you know, almost flooding the Mississippi, or at least the L.A. River, with all of his whining and crying about Brady getting beat down and not getting any help, and yeah, ridiculous. It's a stick, it works for him, but boy, is it annoying. But yes, does that mean the Saints are the team to beat in the NFC? I don't think so. They haven't. They have played better as late. Is Tampa Bay exposed? Well, gee, I don't know. I thought Seattle was the class of the NFC. Not looking so much right now as Russ has all of a sudden become a turnover machine. Yeah, and you know, the the, the further we go, the rougher we get. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to know. A riddle wrapped up inside of an enigma. You know, all those wonderful things that people say from time to time. So then we had Monday night. Cam, the Patriots, speaking of the Patriots, get back to their winning ways. Of course, is there a lot you can say about beating the sad sack Jets? It being clearly the clubhouse leader in terms of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And it was, and it took a 51-yarder at, at, at the gun for the Patriots to win. I don't know what that's... Maybe this helps the Patriots get back into a direction where they make a run, but I'm not seeing it. I guess Cam played better, but... I mean, I heard somebody, you know, one of the... I think it was Ryan Clark and uh, Jeff Saturday. I think they were talking. I was watching, like, get up earlier this morning, and uh, they were talking. Can you imagine if Cam had lost that game? Would they, with with the hoodie of the contemplate going to Jared Stidham? But now that they've won the game, I guess you're going to continue to play right with Cam. They don't want to, to rag on Cam too hard. And I know that the Patriots had a lot of opt-outs. And like the Spurs, you know, you have these great runs. Sooner or later, you're going to have a sucky season and not make the playoffs. But... So they get back to their winning ways. We'll see what happens this coming week. All righty. We have reached TMA time. Ha, ha, ha. That favorite time of the week where we hand out the stainless steel bowl of turds to somebody deserving of it in honor of Turd McCory. Uh, a, a favorite turd in my past who the sword is named after. Yeah. <laughs> Like the dumb uh, ball turns on that person. But that's another story that we'll probably never get to. Anyways, I got to give it to Tony LaRusso. The DUI you got in 2007 where your butt was asleep at the will, right? That's, that's one thing. And then to have another one and then just be... Um, I don't know what the word is going to be, recalcitrant, perhaps. It just, you, this is why you get the stainless steel bowl this week. It, it, right? Because, the bad example, I don't know, they're called ride-sharing apps, Uber, Lyft, Taxi. After all, it ain't like, you know, the rest of us, you know, working steps. 
I assume you've got a few nickels stashed away. How are you getting another DUI? And at 78, getting all loaded. Gonna be interesting. I have a feeling with the White Sox, they're going to, you know, probably make him go to some classes, do some PR, but he's going to make it to the games. This isn't going to be another price situation where you never get the coach at Alabama. I get the feeling that he'll somehow survive this. But if the, uh, if the White Sox, you know, had it, I don't know. I don't want to be that harsh. I'm just saying, at 78, and, and questions with some of the younger players who already aren't feeling this as far as his old-school way coming into the clubhouse and then pulling this, but who knows? Maybe, you know, the fact that he likes to have a few pops and is not afraid to get behind the wheel, maybe the players, you know, that gives him street cred. I don't know. I just think it's a bad look. Tony, you get the Turd McCory Award for this week. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, episode 23, in the can. I'm hoping to nail down episode 2 of the scene. If anybody out there wants to be on that or be on this show, hit me up either at the email address ftinfx at gmail.com or send me a IM, as I'm sure the folks, most of you who listen to this are friends with me on Facebook. You know, contact me that way. But we're hoping to get episode 2 of the scene out soon. As always, the numbers are spiking, so continue to wear your mask, sanitize, social distance, so we can get back to getting our concerts and going to our games and, you know, all that fun stuff, but mainly so we can get our party on with each other. Yeah, we'll be back soon. In the meanwhile, be safe and sane, and we'll see you probably next Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm -hmm.